Welcome to the Mississauga Life and Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Sean Jaffrey, and today we are going to be talking about something very, very interesting. I've actually been wanting to talk about this for a long time. I just couldn't figure out uh, how to fit everything into one single podcast. Uh, I think that would take us a long time, and I would just honestly, I'd be out of breath. I wouldn't be able to do it. So I'm going to break it down. The thing that I wanted to talk about was why are prices in Canada in real estate so high. They're super high compared to the rest of the world. When you're talking about the US, uh, the UK, Italy, France, uh, Japan, we are at the highest and the most unaffordable uh, country to live in right now, specifically when you're talking about you know, Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, places like this. So what's the reason why? I mean, first of all, let's talk about why we need to, why we need to know. Because I think a lot of the times when we talk about these things, because there is no official narrative from anywhere, um, we end up misdirecting our uh, our frustration um, to the wrong places. So, there's several reasons why. I think I think one of the main reasons and the and the reason or the issue that needs to be addressed first and foremost is corruption or money laundering that takes place uh, via real estate, and it's been made. Very, very easy. I mean, everybody always talked about it, but I had never seen anything official about it until I looked into uh, Transparency International's report uh, specifically for the real estate market in the greater Toronto area. They do also touch upon Vancouver and Montreal as well. But uh, Transparency International is an organization, I believe they're, they're in many different countries, and it's basically the, the purpose of this organization is to figure out how corrupt our different um, parts of society in different countries, uh, you know, and uh, what are the possible solutions, etc. So they have one report for the GTA, obviously, had I, take a, I took a look for it, I took a look at it. And it's, um, you know, it's 60 pages, you can go ahead online, download it, read the whole thing, I went through the thing, kind of, um, you know, what I thought was um, important. Uh, I picked out so I could share with you, and then we can get into what is one of the main contributing reasons to really high real estate prices uh, in Canada. Well, the reason simply is we're competing with unknown parties who have a lot of money. Uh, the problem with this is that these people that are coming into Canada and purchasing real estate um, is that we don't know who they are, and we don't know where they're getting their money from. And we've kind of opened our doors to foreign investors and said, "Hey, uh, you got the money." And and I think there's there's ways, right? Even if the conventional bank or the conventional lending doesn't work, they go to uh, B lenders. I don't really ask a lot of questions, and they get the loans, and they're able to purchase. So a lot of the times, they're purchasing outright cash, and by cash, I mean like that they're they're not taking any loans to purchase these properties. And uh, you know, uh, a lot of these guys are. I think purchasing more than one, I think about 10 to 20% of investors are, um, well, I shouldn't say investors, I shouldn't group investors and foreign buyers into the same category. But a lot of them have multiple properties. Uh, not clear what multiple means at this point. Is it two? Is it five? Is it 100? But uh, let's get started. I want to read a bit off of this report just to give you an idea of, um, of uh, what they have found, what they're looking for uh, in situations like this. So, in 2016, Transparency International Canada revealed in its report no reason to hide unmasking the anonymous owners of Canadian companies and trusts that no one really knew who owned almost half of Vancouver's most valuable properties. 
Let me repeat that last part one more time. Nobody knew who owned half of Vancouver's most valuable properties as the true owners were hiding behind shell companies, trusts, and nominee owners. That report helped ignite public and political awareness about money laundering in Vancouver real estate with subsequently investigative reports exposing how the Vancouver model, quote unquote, of money laundering filters overseas and domestic criminal funds into the city's real estate. This flow of illicit funds has contributed to a variety of issues, including escalation of property prices, which affects you and me, which affects the average Canadian, housing affordability crisis, the facilitation of criminal activity in Vancouver and elsewhere in Canada. It has all been facilitated by very weak rules over corporate transparency and beneficial ownership of assets in Canada. Since the release of the report, the BC government has been taking steps to address this, challenging in, this challenge, including proposing a registry of beneficial owners for property. Okay. So Vancouver is not the only Canadian target for criminals who are looking at uh, hiding their dirty money. Obviously, it's uh, happening in Toronto as well. Uh, Torontonians are facing similar pressures as Vancouver with mounting property costs, understatement, a housing affordability crisis, absolutely, and increasing homelessness. You know, that's just, that's sad, right? In a country like Canada, there is absolutely no reason to have homelessness. But anyways, let's get back to the report. Despite many properties remaining empty. While some of these vacant properties might sit as investments for legitimate money, as this report will show, a worrying amount slips past regulators who do not really know who owns what, nor how much is being used for money laundering and tax evasion. So, you know, using a shell company or kind of being anonymous doesn't necessarily mean that the person is a criminal or a gangster, but the point is we don't know who it is. It could be anybody, and the money, the source, could be anything. So, yeah, not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily mean that the person's, you know, this, this mastermind criminal. But then why are you hiding yourself? There is no good reason to be hiding your identity. So Canada's lack of beneficial ownership transparency makes our entire country an attractive destination for money laundering or snow washing. The the term literally is snow washing that they're using for whitewashing your money in Canada. How Canadian. The Panama Papers showed that this term was used internationally to promote Canada as a place where dirty money could be cleaned like the pure white snow. Since 2016, Transparency International Canada, Canadians for Tax Fairness, and Publish What You Can Pay have partnered in investing the country's opaque beneficial ownership problem further and to provide recommendations to solve it. We hope this report will further discuss, uh, will further discussion about the money laundering, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, a little bit of the summary here is, okay. So criminals need homes too. It might not come as a surprise to hear the local crooks buy their houses with the proceeds of crime, but property is also an appealing asset class for individuals looking to launder and invest large sums of dirty cash. And there are few countries quite as welcoming as Canada. I mean, I was blown away when I read this report. I, 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 am I surprised? To a certain extent, yes. I mean, I know there's always some sort of, you know, monkey business like this happening at different levels, but when it gets to the point where it starts affecting your average person, and very badly so, I mean, it's this is not a small thing that 36% of young Canadians don't believe they'll be able to afford or purchase a home in their life. 
This is when it becomes a concern. Okay, back to the report. As an investment, real estate is relatively stable and offers significant returns, characteristics that are universally attractive. However, the Canadian real estate market has other conditions that particularly appeal to money launderers. Weak regulation, lax enforcement, and the ability to hide in plain sight through anonymous ownership structures. Opaque ownership has been cited as the most important single factor facilitating money laundering in real estate. Canada's property registrars allow beneficial owners to remain anonymous by using companies, trusts, or nominees to hold title to property. Shocking, right? Uh, goes on a little bit more detail about how our enforcement record advertises that laundering dirty money is a low-risk endeavor in Canada. Money laundering cases rarely go to trial and often collapse when they do. This appears to have contributed to a rise in professional money laundering operations across the country. Domestic criminals have known for decades that Canada is la-la land for financial crime, but word has spread internationally too. As the case studies in the report show, Canadian real estate has attracted the attention and money of corrupt government officials and organized crime syndicates from across the globe. Not uh, not information you want to hear, but it is the reality. So the next time you're at your at your dinner party, you can bring this up. Okay. On the surface, Canada seems an unlikely haven for money laundering and organized crime. Our streets are safe, which they are. Our economy is stable, and our public officials are mostly honest. Take that with a grain of salt. Yet our laws and regulations are full of cracks that can be exploited by criminals, and they appear to be doing so in growing numbers. Canadian companies have been favored for international tax evasion schemes, and foreign intelligence agencies now refer to the Vancouver model of using underground banking networks to launder money and drugs, uh, sorry, to launder drug money and facilitate capital flight from China. The money laundering schemes identified in those reports have some innovative variations, but they share common attributes. A near ubiquitous characteristic is the use of companies, trust, and nominees to conceal the involvement of the scheme's beneficiaries. You know, I, I, I'm thinking about this right now that recently I came across this, um, this article on Facebook and it was going viral. Everybody was sharing it. It was a real estate agent who was caught on camera by CBC's marketplace. And he's working with these buyers and the buyers, uh, I guess they were concerned that they can't really afford the type of home they're looking for. And he says, Hey, you know what? Don't worry about that. We will, you know, get the paperwork made. I'm paraphrasing. We'll get the paperwork made and, uh, you'll be able to get that mortgage, even though you don't qualify for it. And that was a big hoopla. It was Everybody talked about it on social media, on Twitter, and everybody was just hating on these bad apples in the business. And, uh, you know, these this is the reason why the prices are going up. So not that that doesn't need to be acknowledged and that person definitely needs to be reprimanded, but the fact that there was so much media attention being given to that one aspect of real estate fraud, um, it was kind of concerning that you're kind of going after such a small part of what the problem is and you're not really addressing this giant of a problem why 
why are you not addressing this problem? Yes, I understand that some people might not be criminals, but why are they hiding behind uh, company names and not showing who they are and how much money they're making? And that's a problem. Why aren't you reporting this? Why aren't we talking about this, especially in a time where real estate prices are crazy high? It, it, it The average person is beginning to like lose hope in property ownership for their for their kids. Why aren't we talking about this? That's just something that, you know, I've been thinking about lately is what's the reason? Is it because, I mean, I hate to get all conspiratorial, but is the reason because, you know, we have uh, people within Canada that are benefiting from these policies? You know, these are people that maybe uh, an increase in real estate price for 20, 30% doesn't really affect them. Or if, if anything, it just benefits them. I don't know. Something to think about. The money laundering schemes, back to the article here, the money laundering schemes identified in those reports have some innovative variations, but they share common attributes. Oh, I think I just, I think I just read this. The Financial Action Task Force, Task Force or FATF, estimates that real estate accounts for nearly a third of criminal assets confiscated worldwide, reflecting its appeal for money laundering. Okay. Where were we? Uh, important numbers to report. Okay. The central case study in the report focuses on residential property in the greater Toronto area. Using land registry data, we analyzed a decade of transactions, including 1.4 million sales and 1.3 million mortgages to determine the extent of opaque ownership. Okay. Um, so what, what does this all mean? This means that there is corporate ownership, right? So a criminal is not saying, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm the mafia boss of a, of a certain country and here's my money. They're creating companies and they're able to hide their identity, um, and purchase real estate. So for individuals looking to buy real estate, undetected corporations are extremely effective camouflage. Companies can register titles to property in Ontario without disclosing, without disclosing any information about their directors, owners, or even their country of registration. All that needs to be disclosed is the company's name and an address, a postal office box, a lawyer's address will suffice, et cetera, et cetera. So some numbers here. Between 2008 and 2018, $28.4 billion in residential property across the GTA, not Canada. The GTA was acquired through companies. Approximately 22,900 entities bought 51,000 properties, accounting for nearly 4% of total residential transactions during that period. The vast majority of those companies are privately owned entities with no available information on their beneficial owners. Corporate ownership becomes much more common, and this is a part that kind of blew my mind, with high-value real estate. In this respect, buyers of luxury real estate in the GTA behave much like their counterparts in other cities like London, New York, and Vancouver. The more expensive a property, the more likely it is owned through a company. Only 3.5% of residential properties bought for under $1 million have corporate owners. Yet, if a home was purchased for 7 to $10 million, there's a 54% chance it is owned through a company. I should remember reading through in a different report, something related to Transparency International, uh, that the top 10% of luxury homes in Vancouver were either owned by a student or by a homemaker. 
who had who basically they weren't working, but they were able to purchase uh, you know ten percent of the most expensive properties in the luxury market. Okay, where are we at right now? Uh, corporations. So just to kind of give you an idea where Mississauga stands. <laughs> so data was analyzed across 25 of GTS municipalities. And they're all, all more or less the same. Around 80% of corporate purchases in the past decade occurred in the following municipalities, which aligns with overall market activity during that period. So we're taking a look at uh, Mississauga, Oakville, Brampton, Vaughan, Richmond Hill, Markham. So roughly about $1 to $2 billion worth of real estate purchase was corporate purchases in these markets. So $1 to $2 billion. And about, it's about 4 to 5% was total corporate ownership, which is different in Toronto. In Toronto, about 13.4 or 13.14 billion was purchased and 46.3% was total corporate ownership. So more in Toronto kind of makes sense. That's where the condo hub is. Uh, easier to purchase, I guess. All right. Cash purchases. So cash purchases are basically, you know, a large chunk of these properties being purchased cash, about 40 to 50%. And what that means is that it's just a direct transfer of, of money. And they're not actually using physical cash, but they're not taking a loan to purchase these properties. Um, to, to do. Okay. So just a snapshot of the numbers, investigations of anonymous real estate across the Toronto area. Uh, cash purchases by companies have risen steadily over the past decade, peaking at 45% in 2018. $9.8 billion in cash purchases by companies between 2008 and 2018. Again, where's the money coming from? No one knows. $28.4 billion in housing acquired through corporate entities since 2008. $28.4 billion in housing acquired. Okay, over a 10 year, 10 year span. Um, at least $25 billion in residential mortgages provided by unregulated lenders with no statutory AML reporting obligations, anti-money laundering. Uh, companies own 37% of homes valued at more than $5 million and more than half of homes over $7 million. Unregulated lending accounts for nearly half of mortgages taken out by companies uh, compared to 3% for individuals. So private lending plays a big part uh, in this. And again, I mean, you know, we're looking at these numbers, at these figures. It's right there in plain sight. Right, I mean, the reports there online. Uh, everybody has access to it. Why does this continue to happen? And why is it again not discussed in the mainstream media? So, just kind of give you an idea. We're, we're just going to go through one quick case study here. How much time do we have? Okay, we're good for time. Uh, case study: suspect West African funds in Montreal real estate. Obviously, there's examples and case studies of this happening in Vancouver, in Toronto, but let's take a look at this example here. A June 2017 investigative report by Journal de Montreal uh, revealed nearly $30 million in property bought in the Montreal area as bought by government officials and politically exposed persons from several West African countries with endemic corruption. So 
this was an investigative report and they were able to find this. Um, you know, I wonder if they kept doing these on a regular basis, how many more they would uncover. Some of these individuals are under investigation or have been indicted by French authorities for corruption and money laundering. With the legal dragnet tightening in France, these individuals appear to have sought out Quebec as a friendly and stable jurisdiction where few questions are asked about the source of their wealth. Okay, according to the investigative report, the buyers include Wilfred Negeso, a nephew of Congolese President Denis Sassou Negeso, who has been barred from entering Canada on the grounds that he belongs to a criminal organization that has looted Congo Brazzaville's public coffers to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars. As head of joint venture shipping company with the Congolese state, Wilfred Negeso collects an annual salary of several million dollars and enjoys free housing, private school education for his seven kids, and a fleet of luxury vehicles. He has allegedly used some of that largesse to buy a home in Montreal's affluent Cotenige neighborhood. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Excuse my French. In order to conceal his ultimate ownership, he acquired the property through a Luxembourg holding company, which in turn is owned by two entities registered in the Seychelles. Okay. So, I mean, you know, kind of goes into detail about uh, his brother-in-law and other people who are just like him using cash, uh, dirty money to purchase real estate in Canada. There's a, another story here of a Russian oligarch who purchased 111 units in Toronto. Um, there's one from, uh, there's one about a Chinese uh, businessman. So, I mean, there's stories all over the place of foreigners using dirty money to purchase real estate in Canada. And I'm sure it gets more detailed than that when, it, when you when you put into place or when you consider the the lending aspect of it and then kind of boring against the house, taking a HELOC and all that stuff. I'm sure the corruption is like much, much more detailed than this, uh, what we can see on the surface. So, food for thought, uh, one of the biggest reasons that we have the problem that we have is foreign ownership. And again, you know, a lot of this stuff, okay, there's foreign ownership and then there's ownership that's done through somebody you know. You have a relative or somebody that you just kind of pay and you make the paperwork up and then you can purchase property via that person now for a little bit of a commission and all that. So, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, wherever there is a possibility of criminal activity in real estate, it's probably happening. So we don't even know about that part. All we know is that it's so unregulated. It's it's so easy for these international criminals to do something uh, to turn a profit in real estate that they're all doing it. Again, I know, I know I just said this, but why are we not addressing this? Why are we not raising awareness uh, in the news, in other media outlets? Why is this not a big deal? Why do we? Why are we so quick to exploit uh, one bad apple? Who's like, you know, he's not even like a foot soldier, and not going after like the bigger problems. Are do we have people in the system right now? Uh, the really powerful, elite, wealthy types that are actually benefiting from this. I don't know. I mean, it's worth looking into. Uh, we haven't clamped down on these criminals. Why? I don't know. It, it makes sense to me that. There are people out there that are benefiting from this. That's why they're allowing it to happen. Can't just be, you know, simply for the sake of property taxes. 
that the government collects taxes and gets rich off of it. I don't know. There's, there's got to be something more. But anyways, this requires looking into further. And the next time somebody says the real estate values are high, there's several reasons, but this is one of the main ones. I definitely think you can take into account um, the speed of which we build homes. That's really slow. You know, there's we can do a different kind of uh, podcast on that. Tie into it, you know, the aging population, immigration, all those other issues. We'll try to talk about that in a different podcast. But for now, I think this is good. You've got some solid numbers to work with to throw around in discussions. And uh, we'll get into the next one probably sometime next week. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you in the next podcast. Have a good day.